What errands are you running? Uh, Taco Bell. Taco Bell? Yeah. Um, good for you. Yeah. I, you know, I, not, uh, not that I've never eaten fast food, but I've never had Taco Bell. Yeah, so deceptively, their breakfast is actually kind of good because they mix it with eggs and a little potatoes. But I wouldn't get their other meats by any means. Yeah. Wait, is there is there eggs even eggs or is it like just very fast foody? Oh, man, I don't know. It's pretty close to my house. I'm probably not going to look that up. All right. There you go. Hey, man, I, I would have never touched uh, Taco Bell. But now that it's got the scientific endorsement, I'm all for it. I might have oh, to go try some Bell that's, tonight. It's probably more of a do as I say, not as I do thing. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You're skinny. You, you, you got, uh, I got more mass on you than you do. So I get, Ooh. it's amazing to me how some thin people can just get away with eating this stuff, bro. Oh, a little biohack for you. Metformin number what one the- prescribed drug for type two diabetes. The same reason it works for diabetics. It works for us. Wait, wait, if I just take metformin, I won't gain weight. Yes. What? All right. Forget Corona talk. Why haven't you told me this yet? So why would yeah, you? I want to lead you guys into it because it's some crazy guy shilling pills. Right. But like, um, no. So um, I can actually send you the website. It's agelessrx.com. I've talked with the CEO and there's a, a strong push in the longevity community to get out this really practical off a generic drug that's not patented anymore uh, with low risk and huge upside. So what does it do? Because it releases insulin when you're eating, so it helps you process shit, or what does it do? Right. Very, yeah, very good. So it's related to the pathway, but it's actually even farther upstream of that. Um, so so essentially, in every one of your cells, they can either be in building mode or recycling mode. Right. And that's dictated by these two proteins, <clears throat> mTOR and AMPK. And all metformin really does is a very potent activator of the AMPK protein which is the pathway that actually dictates the recycling and regenerative, uh, regenerative uh, pathways in your cells and, and such like people have probably heard of maybe sirtuins or NAD plus, you know, Joe Rogan talks about certain IV drips, all of those chemicals actually signal pathways downstream of AMP K. And so because it's kind of signaling your body to reduce recycle, um, it actually forces your body into a state of pseudo starvation. So, Essentially, by eating a pizza, it will fool your body. You'll actually only make ATP equivalent to about three quarters of the pizza. So by kind of fooling your body into the pseudo starvation, um, it, it's uh, lowering your blood glucose levels, uh, induces ketosis to some extent, and essentially kind of uh, holds your body up and tells it to uh, hold up before building uh, excessive growth hormones and whatnot. So I'm going to be honest. I understood none of that, but you're telling me I won't get fat as long as I take this? Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and the name of the game is, uh, of not a high dose, but a medium dose and just consistency, right? Um, you're, you're not going to feel it first off, but in about a couple months, you'll be like, damn, I'm feeling pretty good. And like, okay. I'm not saying be a slob, but I'm saying like, um, man, if you needed a little like Kickstarter to help someone too, it's very good. And like, um, some downsides, if you take too much can actually be, you know, you can actually lose a little bit of muscle because it signals your body to recycle so much. You're literally going to cycle through your fat and then even to your muscles to some extent. So it's also good to do cardio and whatnot. What happens if you cycle off of it? Like, does your body become very reliant on it? Like, that is a great question. And, um, as far as I can tell, no, just because it's not targeting specific insulin, it's actually targeting more upstream and, you know, it lowers your blood glucose levels by actually fooling your mitochondria into so you're making saying it work. As long, as long as I take this and ivermectin, I'll live forever. 
I think ivermectin, metformin, and some kratom and some yo delta. <laughs> okay, that's the power combo. Yeah, Thanks for dude. plugging the sponsors. And as long as they're wearing sheath, then you're really covered. You oh, know game over, dude. Yeah. Dude, that was a perfect plug. I feel like we can just call it an episode. You got all the sales <laughs> pitches in. All right. So you and I, uh, this is a good week. We get to take another glory rap uh, lap here. What's incredible is that um I am not the world's greatest journalist. I have no uh, uh, academic standing to be a journalism, a journalist. I have no uh, credentials for this. Uh, and yet there were very few people that managed to track down experts that knew that uh, the vaccines were not going to work for variants. That is a story that you've been telling us now for almost six or seven months. Uh, so I'll hand it back to you because uh, now the world is admitting that essentially you can have new variants and that the vaccine won't work for it, which uh, six months ago, we were the only ones talking about this. Right. And and first, like a kind of a more macro point, I think the reason uh, I was able to talk to this with you is because I'm kind of a black sheep of the scientific community in San Diego, more or less. Um, it really runs out of Boston and San Diego, and I've kind of made bridges and burned bridges in both spots. But that being said, um, I think you I've also listened to some of your medical doctor podcasts, too. And to bring this together, you can't expect medical doctors to be on top of this stuff. Like what I'm telling you took me like years of like, you know, a fair amount of work in the lab, like banging my head against the wall and like really being like, I don't know anything. I need to learn all this shit from scratch. So it's not like I'm smart and you're not. But like it's when people assume <laughs> that they, that they know what's good, maybe because they're a trained doctor or maybe because they trust Dr. Fauci. Um, that's where you get into trouble because then people start assuming things and then maybe they even get to a point where they're like too ashamed to admit they were wrong. And 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 so it's it's ridiculous to me that at one point you do need to be on the data. But at some point, man, this is like virology 101. Coronaviruses mutate. And when a virus mutates, it's going to mutate its spike protein because that's where the antibody selection pressure is on. Right. You neutralize it by going after that little spike. And 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 I think it's becoming very clear to me as a conclusion that, you know, I do respect kind of the microchip uh, people. You know, I love hearing the stories and graphene oxide and stuff. And 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 yeah, uh, like polyethylene glycols antifreeze. And that's in some of these. These are all bad things, but they are in other vaccines. And there are reasons that they're in there, not that they should or shouldn't be. Um, but what I think is a huge conspiracy theory, because I've been really thinking about this, too, um, it's really a way to monetize and get around the government regulation of safety trials. And I and, you know, I you know, I'm not a finance guy, but you can look at stocks and 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 I actually have worked in these companies very close with these companies. You know, they are about money. And one thing that might have been getting in the way is kind of this FDA overhaul. And I don't know if this has to do with maybe this political look at like, remember, drug prices are too high a couple of years ago or some shit. Um, but there, th th it seems to me there's a clear, uh, a clear precedent being set that we have an emergency. We, we are the kings. We're going to make drugs. We are science. And then we're going to get the government either to buy it from us or you will all buy it from us. And, and I think yeah. there's uh, there's two really important uh, things to know about this new protocol of putting things out in an emergency situation. <laughs> First is, if we look historically, I'm going to say that basically every six months we're dealing with a new variant, right? Now, also, currently we're dealing with a new variant and they don't, they, what they're saying is 
We know that our vaccine's not going to work as well. We don't know to what extent it's not going to work, right? So let's just break this down. So it's going to take at least a month. I know I already said this on part of the problem, but it just I'll, I'll keep it really simple. It's going to take a month before they admit, hey, our vaccine's not working and we need a new, we need a new version of it, right? right. It takes 100 days for them to create it. Best case scenario, the rollout is two months. Let's just say best case scenario, they're actually able to get it into stores within two months and that they can get everyone vaccinated within two months. That's a pipe dream, but let's just right. go with it. That's six Without months. animal studies or anything. No, no, no. So, so I'm saying that's six months. So in other yeah. words, you're always going to be behind the future variant because every time you can get a new vaccine out, we know that the virus mutates and we know that a single protein spike is not going to give you robust immunity. Now, what you've said, which is not yet confirmed, but you said that there might even be a problem that these start acting as receivers and either actually uh, amplify the mutations because it increases the mutations by making more people available just for like the mutated Selection, strains. Right. right. And that also that the uh, the protein spikes might start hanging on there as receivers so that you can get more easily infected. Right, right. And 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 it's called like antibody dependent enhancement, just meaning like antibodies can actually enhance a virus's ability. And it's, you know, it, it, it is really weird. And when I first heard about it, I called bullshit because it doesn't make sense because we're taught antibodies are supposed to do certain things, but viruses mutate in certain ways to take advantage of that. And what I was really shocked at is, you know, uh, legitimately the amount of mutations on this new uh, Omicron variant. And like we already talked about, viruses mutate within individuals all the time, right? Like, you know, someone that's really sick with COVID can have dozens of infectious mutants, but maybe they're not that infectious or, or they fizzle out or they don't have a, the correct spike to survive outdoors. Um, so so the fact it's less important where the virus like started. And even now it's kind of bullshit where it started. Right. But it's where it's spreading and who's it's infecting. And, and part of that goes to what you said, is that if people have all this immunity against the original COVID spike protein, and now we're looking at a new COVID spike protein with 30 mutations, and, and sorry about those numbers before, but there, there are about t the 1,200 amino acids in the original COVID spike protein. And Delta had about 15 mutated, and this one has 30 mutated. Now, those numbers don't seem really high, but when you're talking about like uh, uh, actual spots on the spike protein to build antibodies to, that's a really big deal because your antibodies will only build uh, a reaction against three to five antibodies. And so, you, you know, you can think if there may be three or four spots on the spike protein that you need for neutralizing antibodies, well, chances are that virus mutated it, um, not just because it mutates generally, but because we had a lot of people either vaccinated or even natural immunity that had that had it against the original spike. All right. And then I think the other thing that's really important for people to know is that so originally we had an emergency rollout that came with limited testing. You and I looked at the pretrial data and said, there's really no evidence that this is saving lives. So we don't understand why you'd be implementing it for one and two, why you would possibly have mandates around it. Then you looked at data and you said the other issue is that we're already seeing with the boosters that there's actually an increase in side effects. Now, it's not that there's a ton of side effects, but there's an increase. And you were saying when it comes to trial data, uh, increases like uh, percentage increases are actually very alarming because that might show exponential growth each time that you have a new booster. Now we're in an even newer territory where we're not just talking boosters on the thing that was had limited studies. We're potentially talking about, I, I think, zero studies 
on new variations. So yes, it's the original technology, but we don't even have great studies on the original technology. Now we're tweaking the technology and we're going into really territory that you couldn't possibly have research on, which is firstly, how many boosters are potentially safe before maybe you didn't have side effects on one dose, but you do it three. Which booster? Who made them? Right. Right. No, like you said, it, it, it it's actually ridiculous. And we have the CEOs and board members of Pfizer. I watch it every morning. CNBC, Dr. Gottlieb, come on. And one thing, say with a straight face that COVID is, uh, this Omicron variant seems to be infecting people that already got infected with Delta and trying to really push this reinfection narrative. Now, right. one, be careful with the test. PCR tests, like we already talked about, they pick up viral skeletons. So one, that is totally possible. In fact, someone that already got infected that has natural immunity or even vaccine immunity, you know, if we test you for flu or the common cold, we're going to find that in a lot of people, especially if we're testing, because those viruses are just naturally around. There's a difference between hanging out in your nose or your upper respiratory tract and actually infecting you. And that's where kind of antibodies come. You know, some antibodies are secreted in mucus, but, you know, it's when the virus enters you that it really gets kicked. And and so be careful when they say people are getting reinfected and they're young, you know, OK, you know, sh show me show me someone that got hospitalized with Delta and then hospitalized with Omicron. That's the big thing. And, and like you're saying to the to kind of these these pushed out vaccine things, the CEOs of these companies are coming out and saying, oh, well, they're kind of similar. Right. The mRNAs, the proteins are kind of similar. That is astonishing, bro. I mean so in drug discovery what we do is we look for drugs and then we try to change them ever so slightly we'll add like a carbon group or a methyl group you know and we'll have our chemists do it in the lab and because we change just a little chemical on on the on the on the small molecule we can then patent it or then make it either more effective and that's changing one fucking element on a small molecule made up of maybe uh, a couple a dozen carbons and some oxygens and high and then hydrogens right and so we play with those molecules. And every time we move a, a group, we have to retest that. That needs to go into animals. That, that needs to be tested in human cells, right? So the fact that we have people coming on saying, oh, it's just a couple of proteins difference. That is ridiculous. All right. So in your estimation, I, I was saying this on part of the problem. A new variant could potentially be good news. We don't know. Typically speaking, sometimes new variants are more infectious but less deadly. If we continue getting to a space where corona is less and less deadly, then that means it's something that potentially we can get to a point where we can actually just ignore it, where we can just accept that some people are going to get – it'll be the equivalent of a cold where the same way you get a cold for a couple of days and no one's concerned about it, you might get corona for a couple of days and yeah. nobody cares about and it. And no one tests you either or fucking right. reports it. Yeah. Right. Or, or tells you you can't get on an airplane or you shouldn't be showing up to or whatever the hell it is. So what um, <clears throat> based on what you've seen thus far, what do you expect of the new variant? Honestly, this I'm kind of I'm not hoping for this. That sounds too bad. Um, OK, I'll just say what I I think. I think it's impossible to tell how much damage the mRNA vaccines did on the virus mutating unfortunately because most of the people that have been vaccinated i assume have been naturally identified with the virus in which case you would build some type of pseudo immunity to both so it's 
So it's every day that goes by, it's going to become harder and harder and frankly impossible to show the causes of the of these mRNA vaccines on the virus virus mutation. But that being said, to answer your question directly, I think this is a classic case of, like you said, the virus is less in, uh, or more infectious, less deadly. And it's it's really hard to get clear data now. I mean, you, you know how it is. But with these fucking the media and people in South Africa saying something different, I think you're totally right. But uh, the cherry on top or something of interest is that it will not uh, the vaccines will not do very much to stop infection, especially if they're going to go around PCR testing people. You're going to see tons of vaccinated people get positive PCR tests at the very least. All right. Uh, and then I gave uh, kind of a brief summation last week, but. All right. At first, they actually weren't recommending the boosters for everybody. And then the new variant came out and they said, everyone's got to get a booster, which doesn't even make sense. Because when, when they say the booster, they're like, I, I saw a quote from Fauci today and it was something like, well, it should offer some help. Well, what, what does that mean? Like, if we know that this is a new variant, right, it could be that you could boost as it could boost fucking boost yourself uh, with 25 shots. It might not make a difference how much of the old dose you have in you. It's almost like a different question. Uh, And then we were also looking at that they were starting to push the vaccines for kids, which, as you have a new variant, makes even less sense. So what are you going to push the original vax on kids? Uh, I'd sent you an article that did some math, and I'm going to have to pull this down from YouTube almost immediately. For everyone listening to this, we started going live to YouTube, and it doesn't stay up. So if you didn't catch the full episode, you can always download the full podcast at uh, um, Run Your Mouth Podcast. I mean, it's available everywhere. So if you're first tuning in now and you missed the earlier part, and this doesn't stay up, just go listen to the podcast. Anyways, we did the math, uh, and it checked out, and it's not large numbers, uh, but in our estimation, well, really, this was somebody else's article, but uh, you kind of verified it. Uh, It is fair to assume that most more kids will actually die from taking the vaccine than will die from corona, and I'll hand it back to you to explain that. Right, and that's like shocking, and that's like something a conspiracy theorist would say, but Long before we even covered this article, we, we, we pulled up the CDC numbers of kids dying per year. And anyone can go back and look at those Run Your Mouth podcasts. You can see in the data, it was about 550 kids between 12 and 17 that died per year of COVID. And then when you when you break it down to the 5 to 12 age range, you're looking at a couple hundred. So, so we're looking at a very small population dying from COVID in this age group. And then in return, this article assumed that we were doing vaccine mandates, which is not a far-fetched assumption. In California, to go to public school, you have to be vaccinated as a child. So if you were to vaccinate all the school-age children in this in this age group, according to the VAERS data and what we know of older age groups, it's uh, I would have to pull up the email, but it's an, it's an astonishing factor. I believe it's like, I, I don't want to speculate, but it, it is significantly more children will die or will receive extremely serious side effects from the vaccine than actual COVID, than dive COVID, period. All right. Last question I got for you. Uh, Conceptually, I don't understand why travel bans don't work. And I guess it somewhat makes sense when you have these not full travel bans, but I don't understand why, like, unless there was some crazy conspiracy going on where someone's actually showing up in these countries and then spreading the mutations (laughs) And right. like they actually develop the mutations in a lab and then they unleash them and it's just noticed in another country first. 
Um, cause I even saw Rand Paul talk about this and sometimes it becomes counterintuitive or like even on the mass stuff where they're, you, you, I don't know, everyone's wearing a mask and they're telling you not to go out and like, and then they look back at the dad and they're like, none of these mandates work. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound possible. But then you found out with the mandates, I, I remember at one point they estimated like a quarter of people at grocery stores actually had Corona and you're like, okay, well, if that's the one place you're going and you can't avoid going there. So then it doesn't matter. You might as well just leave the world open because the one place you're going, you're getting infected anyways. I don't understand though how if you had a full travel ban, it would like when they first noticed this thing. I don't understand how if they said absolutely no travel and like if you are traveling from that area, you're gonna have to do a 14 day quarantine. So I don't understand how you couldn't possibly prevent the virus coming here. I mean, the variant coming here altogether, or at a minimum, if somehow somebody earlier got in. You wouldn't be able to flag a variant or I mean, test for variants, flag a variant earlier and then maybe quarantine an area. I hand it back to you because I don't understand because they keep saying that the travel bans don't work. And conceptually, I, I don't understand why that would unless somebody no, else is spreading it. You're you're absolutely right. Travel bans do work and they have worked. The only reason is it's the type of virus because this is a respiratory virus that that you that, you know, as much as people say will kill you immediately, it doesn't. And it hides in people and, and healthy people show very little symptoms and can still spread it. I, I think that's a story that's not really told much either. And like, and like I kind of mentioned, everyone popping with a PCR test, you know, not all of them are real virus, but, you know, some of them could be. And just coughing up and spreading is, you know, it, it's it's too infectious of a virus to and it's it's not deadly enough to ban like that. Something like Ebola or something even like, um, you know. Just because it's on the top of my, my mind, like not that you would do HIV, just you could take a blood test is what I'm saying. And, you know, or um, uh, let's see, something a little bit, maybe even, you know, MERS, you would, I think we've even shut down for MERS would work. So I, you know, you're right. Travel bans do work. But I think with a virus like this, where people aren't coughing up a lung immediately, they don't really work. But that being said, what I would have done, like when this all first freaking started is, you know, probably shut down every airport at least for like two weeks and said like you need to talk to someone if you need an airport right and like get someone on you know you need to make a case to fly and then you figure it out and then maybe you slowly open up after like two weeks until you get like a better idea of the virus but you know outright banning stuff is it, you know it's it's pretty ridiculous i would advise high caution and to act like people wouldn't you know would you know Sometimes people don't really do like, fuck the government. Like, I don't trust this warning. But when there are there were people dying and people were very fucking scared in the beginning, that would have worked. And 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 yeah, I think a travel ban would work, especially from parts of really hot zones. Uh, plugging, I'm going to be in uh, Mexico with the Pedaling Fiction podcast. And I'm terrified that while I'm down there for all of two days, some new restrictions going to come and I'm just not getting back into the country. Have to live out my life in Mexico, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, Stephen, before I let you go, anything else uh, you know that you think the uh, the run your mouth listeners should be aware of with the new variant? We covered a lot, so there might not be anything else. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like we're kind of back to square one, but with more information, so we don't have to be as scared. But I mean, I think you know the the risk factors are the same. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, and also I, I think just a big trend, you know, like I said, with medical doctors, not to, you know, you got to take your health in like your own hands. It sounds fucking dumb. And I don't mean like, you know, work out every morning. Like ideally I would, I don't do that shit, but I'm saying like, you need to know what's going on and at least understand what's going, you, what are you doing? What are you taking? Um, 
dude. Who are you getting advice from? This has changed. Uh, and I, I, I don't like this, but based this is kind of crazy to say based on what have happened this past year with, uh, uh, with Corona and every time I talk to a doctor and how misinformed they seem to be against me doing minimal research, right? I have now learned that any single time a doctor makes a recommendation for me, I have to do my own homework. And now I kind of already knew that because years ago, someone, you know, uh, I diagnosed me with ADD and suggested meds and, uh, that was not helpful for me. I don't actually think that was a good suggestion. So I already kind of learned, Hey, there is a medical racket here of people making money that aren't necessarily making, uh, the best recommendations, which by the way, there's no excuse for it. It cost me probably a thousand dollars to sit down with that doctor. Right. There was, there was enough money for that guy to actually figure out what would work for me. It, you know what I mean? It's not like I didn't spend enough time with the doctor. Go, no, no, no. There was enough money on the table that that guy could have made a better recommendation for my personal health. Uh, but anyways, I, I think in an urgency situation, you don't really have a choice. Like if you have enough pain and you're in the emergency room, you're going to have to fucking trust him. And that is what it is. Right. Uh, but I think for the rest of my life, if there's some sort of a medication that any doctor is recommending to me, you can bet your ass I'm doing my own homework. Absolutely right. And, and, and like you said, like, I, I don't want to be not treated at the ER. Surgeons are gods, not because I need you later, but because it, like those, those are more engineers of the human body. They're and they're fucked up people too. That's why you can relate to them. But um, and some doctors are are good, but but yeah, and and also like I love your podcast. I love when you're on with Dave. You're kind of the best part a little bit. I'm just gonna say it. And then second off, um, the this whole theme of kind of taking your own responsibility, I really like, and I think it's gonna be important financially too in the future with all this other bullshit coming. But like health, finance, like let's get after it. Hell yeah. All right. Um, why don't you uh, plug the chiropractic? Send people, oh, yeah. send everyone, um, uh, spend send... your sperm to Steven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be more of a hobby. I'm kind of going more consulting now. Uh, okay. With that being said, you can still send me your sperm. All right. Uh, well, Lisa chiropractic, right? <laughs> Lisa cryobanking. Check me out online. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks, man. And uh, for everyone listening, we're going to dip into some other news topics, but I'm going to let you go. Thanks so much for, yeah. uh, you know, giving us the scoop once again. Catch you guys later. Talk soon. Peace. All right. What's up, everybody? Hanging out in the chat. We're going to get into uh, some other some other shit here, starting with uh, Epstein. Uh, are you guys following the trial? Everyone in the chat, can you tell me where I can actually get some uh, some good information on this thing? Uh, my first question in regards to uh, um, the Epstein is, where is the safe? How is that not relevant? The FBI went into the guy's home. They take a safe. We all know what's in that. We all know what's in that safe. We all know it's in the safe. It's the video of Bill Clinton uh, orging it up with some little girls, maybe even some boys in there. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard some claims mostly when we did that live podcast. But uh, how is that safe not relevant to this trial? Like, how how is that whatever evidence is in there not relevant? Like, how is that not the first thing that they just show up, they wheelbarrow it in, they open it up, and they're like, all right, well, here's all the videos of the orgies that uh, you guys had going on. Uh, the Epstein thing... Like, please, where do you find good information on this? It's wild to me how, uh, like, on Twitter now, there seem to be, like, these random channels that give you coverage that no one else has. Who else uh, Who else has, like, good Twitter channels? I think the only one that I had when it came to, uh, I'd have to go look it up. You know, I should have came in with that, but someone's been kind of, like, live tweeting the Epstein trial, but who knows what what is true and what is not there. Um, all right, what do you guys even think? Is the re I think he's just Mossad. I think Wexner handing him all this money, 
He's uh, Mossad CIA. That's why he gets off the first time. And then, of course, the FBI pulled that move that they always do, where basically they lost a Freedom of Information Act. They have to release like the information on why. And then all of a sudden they turn around from letting him off the hook, letting him serve out jail time in his own home to going, we're more outraged than you are. And then the next thing you know, he's actually in a trial. Uh, and then how is this lady not just pleading guilty? Like what? I mean, how does she possibly... Is this going to be like the scam of the century where somehow because Kavanaugh's daughter is working the prosecution that she's really got the internal racket and they managed to pin the entire thing? Like how or what's going on with all these people that are getting named? All these people that are in the like in by and also I love that you have people like who work the houses. If I worked that house and I was being paid well to keep my mouth shut. I would still be keeping my mouth shut. I'd be like, I was driving the car. I was looking forward. I don't know what the fuck was going on in that. I meant Comey's daughter. Thank you for that. Clockwork Industries. I love it. I got the, the live fact checkers. I said Kavanaugh, and I meant Comey's daughter. Here we go. Matthew's given some information. Higher than Mossad, you are correct. It is a part of globalist connections within the intelligence agencies that often work separate from state interests in brownstone operations. And then Chris Brown telling me that Whitney Webb has great information on Epstein. I'll hit up Whitney Webb. She bought me a beer once. I know Whitney. I'll hit her up. We'll get the uh, the inside scoop. Uh, and if you guys know any other channels that are doing good coverage, because it's interesting, it's already been going on four days. You got all sorts of people. They're showing up. They're giving testimony. They're talking about who was on that airplane. Uh, but thus far, there's been limited coverage. Let's move on to my next topic. Um, which is, uh, you guys following all this, uh, abortion nonsense. Let, let's dig into abortion a little bit. Uh, cause I know when it comes to abortion, I do my part, uh, which is I mostly don't go on dates. I stay home and I come on my own floor. That's what I do. And in the bathroom, I don't want to like getting mixed into the rug. Someone comes over, they sit on the rug. All of a sudden you find out that they're pregnant. That's not what I want. So what I do is I go to the bathroom and I get it all out on the tiles and then it's already smells like bleach. So like it's there and like I'm, I'm good to clean everything up. And then if I'm with a lady, what I do is I wear gloves and I just make sure to come in the corner because I want to do my part to make sure I'm not in a situation where I have to decide whether or not I'm killing a baby, which is also why I feel I'm 100 percent for this. Uh, your body, your choice, because then it's also your fault. I, I, I don't like making decisions about lunch. Uh, so, you know, to not have to make a decision about whether or not abort. All right. Let's just kind of break down some of the criteria. Firstly, there is something weird as fuck that the Supreme Court gets to just get new justices and then like revisit these cases and then go, oh, yeah, the last people got it wrong. There's something broken about that system, because then in one of two cases, that means one of the two courts at one point in time was wrong. And so it's just this game of who you can get onto the court that can then just implement their philosophies, which isn't really law. And now Matthew has pointed out, don't waste your seed, bro. And you know what? You actually pre preempted my next thought. You preempted it. You knew exactly where I was going with this, which is, I do think we got to keep the religious perspective out of this. Not only are you supposed to have separation between uh, church and state, but also the religion I grew up in, they said that uh, you were killing babies just if you came on the floor. And I don't want protesters standing outside of my building telling me that I can't come on my own bathroom floor. I mean, how, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my day when I'm not eating cookies, pretending to get work done? I'm jerking off on my bathroom floor. You take away jerking. What am I supposed to, how many cookies am I supposed to eat in a day? I'm going to be filling up my whole day eating cookies. You know, you know how much I, even with that, uh, with those pills that Steven was telling me about, I don't know that I can handle that much cookie consumption. So I do feel that, you know, 
<laughs> since like the religious, like it, who, like I'm not religious. So all of a sudden I'm going to come at people with some religious perspective about when life and, and death is all right. But then everyone goes with the whole, my body, my choice, but then that's not necessarily true because if it's actually like a living thing inside of you, then I guess it's not just your body. You're kind of sharing it. And you know, like, are, are these liberals against sharing? Is that what they're saying? You know, maybe you can't just make that decision. So it really just comes down to whether or not, well, actually, I guess there's two variables. The first variable is whether or not it's uh, considered death, right? If you're killing someone and that's kind of like a yes or no, but then I just like, don't want to get involved. So I'm kind of like, I guess if there's a doctor that you can have a conversation with who medically feels like that's not killing something, then I guess that's just kind of between you and that doctor. And, you know, it, the whole thing kind of sounds gross. So I don't want to hear about it, but you know, if they got a vacuum that can pull it out, and they can tell you that you're not killing anything, you know, that's uh, between you, the vacuum and that doctor. That's not they're like, well, what, what does this have to do with me and my life? And then I guess the other variable would be, is there some sort of category of like justifiable uh, death in that like, you know, that the kid has a disease, like a Tay-Sachs or some shit that would be so terrible that you say that like it, we would you'd be better served with the abortion, which is still kind of almost like playing God where you go, I can tell that something so terrible would be here. So therefore I want to step in. So to me, you got two variables. One, can you just say medically that this is not considered death and that I guess uh, uh, life starts at some juncture of time, whether it's two months, three months, four months or whatever, in which case that's a medical decision that I guess is a conversation between you and a doctor or you go that there's some sort of a category of justifiable death, such as, I don't know, maybe it's rape, it's uh, it's disease, it's something else. And then in which case, then you start having to play with the variables of what is considered justifiable death. So here's my take on abortion. You know, I'm going to keep doing my part, my part and uh, coming on the floor and wearing gloves and not having sex. That's what I'm going to do to make sure that I don't get stuck in the situation. Other people are living more adventurous lives. You know, they're not wrapping it up. They're sticking it in there. Or they're blasting off loads. And then all of a sudden they're realizing, oh my God, we're going to have to do something about this. These things, it's not my business. Uh, but all right, let's take some comments. I guess that's, uh, that's my whole take on that. Cause that was a big thing in the news this week. Uh, uh Oh, I'm trying to show comments and now things are freezing up on me. Am I freezing up on you guys? Luckily, I don't care if people kill their own babies. That gives me an evolutionary advantage. How many how many kids are you putting out there, Chris Brown? Uh, should have never been up to court. Should be based on legislation, either at the state or federal level. The court just evaluates if the laws are being implemented as written. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just more local government in general. And, you know. Money in in helping people get the abortions that they're looking for. So, you know, you get party buses, you go with your friends, you, you go, uh, you sit down in that vacuum for a little bit. You're, you're thinner cause you flushed everything out and then you got more. The strongest, such as the fetus responding to pain stimuli. We know this now it's not a guessing game. Oh, so that's interesting. And I'm not aware of this. So what Matthew's trying to say is that, uh, while, uh, abortion might've been legalized with Roe versus Wade. I don't even know the years on that. We have new technology and because of the new technology, we have new evidence to suggest. It is time to reevaluate it. And it's not a function of whether or not the court is politicized. All right, let's take two more comments and then let's move on to another topic. Chris Brown, here we go. And why is my fucking optimum? 
I'm boarding this show right now. I'm trying to get a show off and uh, they're coming after me. I can't stop people from being shitty parents. Why should I care if they kill their kids? All right. One more. Just say Lewis is taking risks. All right. Last one. It always seems like the least attractive people are the most vocal. Are you trying to, are you making fun of me there, Brian? Brian, I want some clarification here. Who are you talking about? I'm trying to be vocal about a non-opinion. And then you got to tell you, and then you got to, you got to fend me like that. That's terrible. All right. Uh, next topic is Powell admitted that he was wrong on inflation. I don't know if you guys saw that. He was talking for three months. He goes, listen, we got an inflation, but it's going to be a uh, transit. Why does the fed just like, how do you, how are you allowed to get, uh, like something that wrong? And everyone just goes like, well, the, the, I mean, the answer is the guy's lying to you, but imagine like you're in charge of, uh, of like sales or marketing at a company and every single month you guys get together and you go, we're going to have growth this year. No, no, no. I'm telling you my strategies are working. We're going to have growth. And then the next month you come in, we're going to have growth. The next month you have like, I listen, I know sales have dipped, but just come holiday season, I've got really good strategies here and we're going to have growth. And then all of a sudden it comes the end of the year and you go, listen, I was wrong. And we're definitely going to have a down year. You lose your job. That's what happens. You got one job, which is to grow the company. Every single month you're coming in, you're saying, hey, listen, this thing is going to grow. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you go, oh, it didn't grow and you lose your job. I, it's the same thing. This guy's got, gets paid pretty well, supposedly really smart. I mean, one of the crucial functions of the Fed is, I guess, monitoring inflation. And so he wasn't able to do that. He kept saying, hey, this is going to be transitory. And now he's finally admitting it's not. You got it wrong. Well, the problem is even if he gets the boot, so some other asshole is going to come in and do exactly the, uh, the exactly the same thing. So, you know, Ron Paul and the Fed, a couple comments, and then we're going to cover one more topic. And uh, that is it. I actually don't think we're going to cover any more topics. I think uh, I think I covered everything I wanted to because I was going to do I was going to do rant first and then Stephen. But then we did Stephen and then rant. So I think we covered everything. Here we go, Matthew. Yeah, it's time for the big bubble to crash now. I hope you sorted all sorted. Um, I hope you all sorted your investments. Uh, could be. All right. So we got 26 people here. If you got any comments or questions, I'll take a few of them and then we'll call it a stream. Uh, Brian Willis uh, retracted his statement. He said that you're overly handsome. I do appreciate that. Now I can uh, leave my house with some dignity because I, I was going to stay home. After you offended me like that, I was like, it's over for me. I can't even leave the house. Some Brian Willis has offended my looks. Oh, it's Brian Wills. My bad. Um, listen, we've been going live to YouTube. I can't leave these shows up here because they will be censored. I, I did a full interview with another medical doctor early in the week. So please go download the podcast. It is uh, available everywhere. Uh, Run Your Mouth podcast, uh, plug and sheath underwear, the most comfortable underwear. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, you can separate your pouch from your balls. Uh, Yo Kratom, love myself some Kratom if you're over the age of 21. And then Yo Delta as well. All right, let's take a call. Oh, and RobbieTheFire.com slash shows. I got all sorts of shows. My end of year thing, it's all worked out. I think I've punched it up. I think it's, uh, I took out the sad parts. I had some shit that was bombing people out. I turned it a little bit too real. I took that stuff out. I think it's going to be all funnies and laughs now. So uh, coming out. All right, let's take a couple comments. Yo, my mom called me Robbie the Fire. Why is that? Like, do, do you look like me or something? Or were you, were you saying good points? You know, you guys got to, if you're going to throw comments at me, a little bit more information. I shouldn't have to ask all these clarifying questions. Were you hitting on her? All right, moving on. Yeah, it's time for the big moment to crash now. I hope, oh, I already read that one. Uh, even worse than the uh, ever more growth are the inflation speculators. Don't ever give the Fed a reason to jump into action. They always make it work. No problems there. But they said inflation is good for us working class. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I don't know who said that. 
but they were lying to you. Vic Mays sending love from Iowa. I'm going to read one more comment and then we're calling it a show. So it better be a good comment. If you're sitting there and you're thinking whether or not to write a comment, it's going to be the last one of the show. And I'm not ending the show until someone comments. This could be a Mexican standoff. This could be me standing here. And by the way, everyone who's listening to the podcast version of this are going to be like, why is he reading the comments? I'm not watching this on YouTube. This is just annoying to hear about. Keeps mentioning comments. Keeps just delaying and talking about how he's going to read a comment. This could be a long standoff. I don't even know how to fill the time. Maybe a staring contest, a staring contest with whoever's sitting there at YouTube. Let's go. I said why I want to be a man of my word. So we're going to need one more comment from one person and then I can read it and then I can call it a show. But if no one writes that one comment, I will stand here. We can do this, people. I'll, I'll, I'll rehash all the main talking points of the show. Oh, here we go. It says new comments. It just wasn't coming through. All right. Here we go. Last round of comments we're calling. Rob the Card, best part of Problem Fires. What's, uh, what's your favorite genre of music, bro? I listen to a lot of tunes, but I'm a big deadhead. Now, with that being said, I definitely like your 90s grunge. I like the classic rocks. But uh, I listen to a lot of jazz and jam. And if I had to pick one, it would be The Grateful Dead. Ghislaine is not in gen pop. Trump is garbage. He has an overseas wife, but he did it. Okay. I don't know what the fuck that means. Rob for press secretary for three days. I want that job for three days. Someone's wished me happy Hanukkah. Someone says I'm the big dick. How do you know who told you about that? It's just been a couple opinion articles saying how inflation is good. That is our episode. Everybody has a, uh, a great weekend. RobbieTheFire.com slash shows Atlanta coming up uh, this week. Then I got Denver. I got Mexico with peddling fiction. New York City, taping in New Hampshire, and then I have to write a new hour of comedy. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. I've got a special treat this week. Sometimes I get people, they hit me up in their e- in my emails. They go, listen, I'm an academic. I, I know things about all sorts of things. I'm a real life doctor and I'm going to call into your show and I'm going to give you guys the scoop. 
I'm going to tell you why this coronavirus vaccines is going to make people's dicks fall off. I'm going to tell you why you should be taking ivermectin. So we're very fortunate this week to have Dr. John with us. Uh, Dr. John, the way that we hold our guests accountable to their academic degrees is that we don't verify in any capacity. It's up to us to use our intellect to decide who is and is not an expert. Uh, it's up to us in our critical reasoning. And I've invited people onto the show to absolutely fool us before and to be completely unknowledgeable about topics in any capacity. But why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and, you know, not too much information so we don't get you fired or anything, but just why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a medical doctor. I work at a hospital. I went to medical school, did finish my residency. I've been practicing for about six months. There you go. Real life doctor. And uh, you know what? Since we're already in the medical stuff and there's so much Corona shit going on, let's get into that first. We can come back to the uh, Epstein stuff later in the evening. Uh, so you hit me up because I'm going to say about uh, two or three episodes back, uh, I was talking about how I seem to pay. I pay attention to the news and I pay attention to, hey, I think people are lying to us and here's how they're lying to us. I don't really go deeper than that to say who's coordinating these efforts right? Who is there's this bigger picture coordination that someone go to China with Fauci and purchase this virus. So they trying to create the term that everyone likes to use a new world order where they want global socialism. That's the side of the story that I haven't delved that deep into. And so here we've got a real life doctor who's going to break down the story for us. So John, I will hand it back to you. Yes. Yeah, so I'll start by telling a quick story. I, I recently, I was going to go to a concert and, uh, they wanted to, they were requiring the COVID testing. And so I got the COVID test. And then later that day, they, I get a call saying they left a message saying that I tested positive. And then about 30 minutes later, the head of the lab calls me and says, I, yeah, I was just calling about you back about that COVID test. It turns out it was, uh, uh, the test was not accurate. And so it turned out it was a false positive. <laughs> so, what but, concert? Uh, modest mouse. Okay. Not, not, I actually, I just got tickets for ween two nights, uh, coming up soon. And I just accepted, I'm going to have to get a test that day, but like, I'm not getting vaccinated. I want to see myself some ween. Yeah. That sounds fun. Go for it. Yeah. The other show, I, I tickets to see Sturgill Simpson, but he canceled his show. He got like Corona and lost his voice or some shit. Uh, but I haven't been to a concert in a while. So did you get to see Modest Mouse? Were they good? I don't think they're a band I particularly like. Yeah, they were pretty good. Uh, I, yeah, I've been to a few other concerts since then. I saw a Yonder Mountain String Band. Oh, they're fun. They're, yeah. How did the lab mess up, mess up your results? They wouldn't tell me. They just said that. <laughs> uh, the, they said the data did not make any sense. <laughs> Great. So. You actually, you were the first to have the new variant. Everyone, Dr. John is single-handedly yeah, uh, responsible for the Omni, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. So, yeah, ever since they announced the lockdowns, I was like, this, why are they doing this? Like, this doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And so I started looking into, like, why, who is behind it. And So let's uh, start with uh, it not making sense. Now, anyone listening to this podcast, I've outlined, I think, a pretty good story for, <clears throat> hey, the dad is not on their side for these vaccines. The dad is not on their sides for these lockdowns. You're actually a healthcare professional. So as a person working in the field, what would you kind of highlight as the things that you instantly just went like, all right, this isn't adding up? Well, like, yeah, locking people down without... Uh, 
without a lot of information like it it just seemed totally unprecedented like in my lifetime i'd never heard of anything similar and i it, it wasn't like something that we'd done a lot before I, yeah, so then, instantly, just the fact that they went to the level of lockdowns and you're like, there's no evidence behind this. You start getting alarmed. You're just going, there's something screwy going on here. Now, before we get into this global conspiracy, just because I have ADD and I'm curious, as a doctor, are there any side effects that you've seen from people who have gone in the vaccine? First part, like, have you started to see any side effects? And are those side effects that wouldn't be like reflected in VAERS? I work in the hospital setting, and so I, I've had have seen a couple of patients with blood clots that who had had the vaccine within the past month, and so sometimes the patients will say like, hey, he had the vac, this person had the vaccine recently. Could that be related? And you know, it's a difficult thing to prove or disprove. So, I, if the person didn't have any other risk factors, then I, yeah, I'm more suspicious of that, but. Otherwise, it doesn't really change our treatment. So the blood clots are the only, based on the setting that I work in, that's the only thing that I could have potentially come across. And that sounds, though, that you guys aren't taking the time to go into VAERS and say, hey, we had a blood clot here, and I'm pretty sure that this blood clot is related to the vaccine. Right, because a lot of the people I see, like, uh, have, there's so many other risk factors. So it's like... And blood clots, some people just get them without any explanation. So it's so difficult to prove that it was from a specific thing. You can only. So if you're a pharmaceutical company, blood clot is almost the side effect that you want because it's very hard to correlate. Yeah. And like one type of blood clot called a pulmonary embolism, uh, it's very commonly misdiagnosed. So like 50% of them are diagnosed when someone has an autopsy and they're like trying to find out why the person died. So have you, uh, have, have they forced you to be vaccinated? Yeah. I, the, the organization that owns the hospital, they did start a vaccine mandate. And so I ended up having to get it. Were you pissed about that or not too concerned? Well, I actually ended up getting it because of that false positive test for the most modest mouse concert. I had a hot date that was going on with me. And so I didn't want to cancel. So I ended up getting the Johnson Johnson at that time. Hell yeah. Did you at least get some puss out of it, dude? Yeah, so it worked out. <laughs> all right, all right. But I can't then, fault the uh, man for that. I actually have a joke in my act about that. It's in my end of year thing, which I, uh, I, I mean, fuck it. I'll just burn the joke. There's six people here listening. Uh, but the joke is that people like one of the big claims I've heard is uh, you'll do drugs. Like that. That was one of like the big arguments for getting the vaccine. Is like I don't get it. You'll do drugs, and my point is like, yeah. And I guess if at two in the morning, some mediocre looking women said, hey, we're going back to my place to do some mRNAs. I might do that, not get laid and regret it also. So I'm not sure that that's like the marker for whether or not something's a good idea. But, you know, what? I guess even doctors have to get vaccines that they don't want for some pussy. So anyone else listening to the show, if like you're doing crazy shit to get some pussy, just know, you know, even all the way up the totem pole of well-respected, wealthy doctors, they're having to do stuff for pussy. So don't hate yourself for whatever you got to do. Yeah, exactly. Have you uh, seen any of the stuff about the graphene oxide? In the I've seen those reports. All right. Here's been kind of my takeaway uh, on the vaccine. And like, I still just kind of stick to this. 
there's a world of claims about potential side effects. I, uh, to me, you don't even need to look at that because there isn't very good evidence for taking these. It doesn't make sense to me. What particularly doesn't make sense to me, and this is something I've been talking about for a while, is that we knew that these vaccines were not going to work for variants. And so now we're confronting that reality, right? So like six months ago saying, hey, these vaccines, they're a single spike. That was things that people were talking about on this show that no one else was really talking about and saying that they don't have any utility because we know that the vac that, that the virus is going to mutate and your natural immunity would work for that. And these vaccines are not going to work for that. Right. And so there's no reason to be taking these things. We knew that on this show. We knew that if you were really paying attention, the Pfizer CEO did kind of admit to that when he said it would like that the current uh, variants, the vaccine was working for, but other variants could come along, but they would be able to make the changes. So my approach from the outset, very similar to the conspiracy stuff was just to be like, I know that they're lying about taking this stuff. So just the risk of that there might be side effects, it's not worth putting this in your body. But I didn't go too far into the risks of side effects because I've yet to be able to get a good academic on here. Like we've done some really, I don't know if you've listened to the episodes with Steven. Steven's a really smart guy and he's been really good with the data. So we asked him about it. He didn't have anything too alarmist to say. Uh, we've had Dr. Krim on that. No one's had anything. No one that I've spoken to that's like really smart and on top of this stuff seems to have anything very alarmist to say. So my thoughts on potential side effects is that they're on the table. It certainly could happen. Generally speaking, I don't think that taking these vaccines for healthy individuals has been a smart strategy. One, you're putting risk on your plate that's unnecessary. I don't think it's really offering you protection. Two, in terms of a natural immunity thing, uh, I, the, the claims that I've heard of both that we've actually prolonged the life cycle of viruses, which is basically allowing them, we're like forcing the mutations. I think that we could probably have moved on from this quicker if people had just confronted it and got a natural immunity. So I, long-winded answer. I'm going to sum it up. I have not gotten into the graphene claims that are that are online or that there are substantial current side effects or that there will be substantial side effects because to me, I can just tell you that they're lying to you and I don't think it's smart to take. As, as far as the side effects come, we're going to have to figure that out. I hand it back to you. You're the, you're the actual doctor. What's the story with the graph with the graphene? Yeah. It, well, I don't have any proof of it either. I, I haven't looked at it under a microscope and I don't handle the vaccine personally. So I don't, wouldn't have an opportunity to do that. I, I just, I, I thought that it goes kind of along with some of the other things we're going to talk about later in this graph I, with, with the world health, health organization. But in general, side effects from medications, like it's so difficult to tell, to determine what medication caused it. And so it's a difficult thing to prove. Uh, on that note, I had a guy. All right. It's very interesting to me. Some of the people that are actually listening to the show and some of the people that reached out to me, such as yourself, actual medical doctor, for some reason, listening to me on this information, for some reason, willing to come on the show. Uh, I've had very good insights from people in the audience who will email me, including people that actually work at some of these vaccine companies. I've gotten emails from them. Uh, I did have someone on Instagram hit me up claiming that they worked for one of these companies with a picture of a giant thing of graphene like in the parking lot. And I absolutely just ignored it because I was like, I feel like this is someone 
trying to get me to like false report on something. I have no idea that could like that guy could absolutely be an employee. Of one of these companies being like, Hey, I'm giving you this story, go break it. And then yeah. on Instagram, literally sending me the picture of in the parking lots. But I was like, there was just too much unsubstantiated. Like, all right, well, maybe that's a cleaning material that they use for something else. Like maybe there's a reason why it's there. It was like, it was just too crazy. So I was like, what am I going to do with this? You know? Uh, but I, I mean, what, what are the, uh, like, I don't even know what would be the problem with the graphene. I, I just know that it's something that I've heard people talk about, but I don't know that much about it. Well, potentially if it could contribute to blood clots, if, cause I've seen some videos where like, you know, if it, I'm, if it exists and it's in the vaccine, I've seen some videos where like, it'll be on a table and if someone's phone rings and the phone ringing, like the, I don't know if it's like the magnetism or something, but it causes the graphene oxide to like move in different shapes. All right. Someone so. asked, someone asked a good question. Uh, one's compliment. Do you have any firsthand insights into the administrative and economic incentives <clears throat> for hospitals with respect to COVID messaging and reporting? I, well, I'm also, I've started reading this book, but the real Dr. Andrew, but oh, that's it, from, it, uh, from the Kennedy, right? Yeah. Robert F. Kennedy. He, uh, is he an idiot or is it good? It, I'm uh, like the first chapter and it's pretty good. It, uh, he didn't uh, mention some specific data about that and how like, uh, earlier on in the pandemic, uh, hospitals were kind of intubating patients once their oxygen saturations dropped rather than just if they clinically look like they needed to be intubated. Uh, and so coincidentally, I guess, uh, hospitals were getting reimbursed more from Medicare. If a patient with COVID was intubated, than if it was a non COVID patient that was intubated. So it sounds like there was some financial incentive to intubate patients based on some of the information in this book. And then also for COVID patients, hospitals get reimbursed higher rates. But some of that makes sense because, like, they'll probably be in the hospital more. So, uh, all right. So, enough with the COVID stuff. Let's get into, <laughs> excuse me, I got COVID again. It sounds like it. <laughs> you got a diagnosis for me, doctor? Tell a doc. I, I, I haven't had COVID yet. Well, oh, really? I, I had the false positive, but <laughs> that was so. the closest you came. Well, don't worry. Yeah. I mean, you got yourself all vaxxed up, and now they got the new variant that's going to get everybody. Yeah. <laughs> all right so you have a presentation for us here on some of the nefarious people the lizard people that are out there pushing for a new world order pushing for global communism so i'll hand it back to you so that you can give us the inside scoop on what's going on behind the scenes that this is being pushed upon us yeah so i'm here at the world economic forum website if you click on covid they can have this tab to this map and so this is somehow all of this stuff relates to COVID. And then if I see here, they have a tab that says global governance. Uh, that's a little suspicious. And then if you listen to this overview within the first 30 seconds, it's a, they say like- Here's Thomas Hale from the University of Oxford, uh, describing some of the key issues associated with the topic of global governance. We need global governance more than ever in a world of deepening interdependence. Huh, well, they said it right there. We need global governance more than ever. And some look at some of the other tabs, 5G, somehow that relates to COVID. I'm not really sure, but uh, cybersecurity. Uh, I don't know if you've, Rob, have you heard about uh, any of the op 
World Economic Forum operations, like they had Operation Two Hundred One, and then something else called uh, Lane on me. This is this is so, all brand new information for me. Really? Uh, so Operation Two Hundred One, uh, it took place in October of two thousand nineteen, about three months prior to the outbreak of the COVID pandemic, and you know Bill Gates, Dr. Fauci, it was all they were all part of this scenario, and so it was kind of like. Uh, it was a fake scenario run by the World Economic Forum to plan uh, in case a it simulated a COVID outbreak. And so they even had like fake news out news uh, anchors like broadcasting about it. And it took place over, I'm not sure how many days, but then on some of the videos, it has like the, the fake anchors during the 201 si simulation and what they're saying and then what the news anchors say in real life it's almost exactly the same uh, let me it's see actually if I can. that is crazy that's something that sam parker had mentioned at the uh outset of the coronavirus about two years ago was he mentioned bill gates and he mentioned that like this uh i guess they ran like a, a game theory about how a virus what, what was exactly what they called, were testing so it looks like it was called event 201 and uh so it sounds like they were testing a, it was a coronavirus simulation simulating an outbreak of a covid virus and how it would play out throughout the world and it seemed like you know they were kind of trying to practice you know their the event how it would take place in real life you know it's <laughs> So do you have the uh, the fake news anchors? I mean, they're uh, all fake I, news anchors. I don't. But... I didn't actually have that clip. Let me see if I can find it real quick. If not, I'll follow up with you via email, and we can watch the uh, fake news anchors doing the rehearsal for you know the fake news anchors that we see on TV. It's like the minor leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I'll... Uh... That's all right. I can follow up with you for okay, it. Okay, we can follow up about that. But then they also do every year they do this another event called Cyber Polygon, which is simulates a cyber attack on. Like, uh, uh, it's so it's supposed to sort of like that oil one that took place a few months ago. Uh, you remember hearing about that in the news? Actually, I don't. Uh, yeah, there was a Texas oil company that got cyber hacked, and they were ransomed for money by some, uh, some like criminal. Supposedly, it was some Russian. Yeah, company. that was early. That was earlier in the year, uh, and they made they made a whole bunch of money off of that. Way to go, pirates! That's like the new era of uh, fucking over big companies. I mean, I'm not into theft or whatever, but in terms of rackets, that one was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Uh, Cyber Polygon, it, they, this is an annual one that they do every year, and it's hosted by a Russian bank, but also the World Economic Forum. And so it's to test out. Uh, uh, so, so I'll read some of the quotes from this website. Uh, Central banks must be at the heart of changes in the financial sector. Uh, the rapid adoption and decentralized nature of digital currencies pose unprecedented challenges for financial and tax authorities. Uh, uh, so I guess Russia is trying to make a digital ruple 
which will permit better traceability of payments and money flow and explore the possibility of setting conditions as permitted terms of use of a given unit of currency. Uh, just imagine that you're able to give your kids some money in digital ruples and then restrict their use for purchase of junk food. That's uh, every single country now wants their own like uh, digital currency, uh, get rid of cash and track all payments at all times. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so in his opening remarks of Cyber Polygon 2020, World Economic Forum founder and executive chairman Klaus Schwab warned about a coming cyber pandemic that would be worse than the current global crisis. We all know, this is now in quotes from him, we all know but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole, he said. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. And this is Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum quotes. Uh, he added that it was important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect upon the lessons of cybersecurity community to draw and improve our unpreparedness for potential cyber pandemic. Right. So this is this is almost the same thing as the global warming thing, which is, uh, hey, listen, we just saw what can happen when countries are unprepared for some outsized, outside outside uh, threat. Right. We we look at how terribly our lives have been affected by this virus. So what we need is even bigger governments and even more investment in order that we can prevent these kind of catastrophes, that we can get ahead of them because the only way that we're going to be able to, and it's all lies and bullshit, right? Firstly, so much of what people have sacrificed is a result of their own stupidity and listening to government and bad government decisions. If you spent the last two years in your house not living your life because you listened to government, right? That's the fault of you in government. That's not the fault of like some virus. Like that was your choice in listening to them with their bad policies. Right. But people feel like, Hey, I've already like, they feel like they've sacrificed so much of their lives that they, they don't want to do that again. So like, they're almost willing to go, Hey, whatever, whatever, whatever it's going to take, whatever it's going to take to get back to normal. And you, like, and then, you know, they tell them, Hey, listen, you thought that Corona thing was bad. Just imagine if there was a cyber threat or just imagine if there was global warming and people go, Oh, I don't want anything that would be worse. Whatever you can do to help me. And what they don't realize is that no government's the one that caused it's not firstly government did cause this problem. It was a collaboration between Fauci and the CCP that invented this virus. So let's not forget absent of a government, we wouldn't have a global pandemic right now. And then if it wasn't for government responses, we could have gone about our lives and we would have reached the natural immunity at some point. Right. The only reason we haven't is because they thought that we could beat this thing with vaccines, which is probably turning out not to be true. Yeah. And one other thing is like the amount of profit they're making off of the vaccine. Whereas part of the reason that they're not using other treatments is because uh, they wouldn't be as profitable. Like, if you're trying to repurpose a medication that then if there's already a generic for it, then they won't have the patent. And so that's, that's why vi vaccines are the most profitable because they can make a new patent every year because there's always going to be a variation. And so they can keep control of the patents. Whereas other medications like antibiotics and antiviral medicines that are like a one-time treatment, uh, pharmaceutical companies don't make much money off of them because 
it, they quickly becomes a generic medication. Right, which is why they want this single protein spike thing where it can only work against one version of it because that way they've got the built-in renewables where you're going to need a new one every six months. And because since it's an emergency situation, they don't even have to do testing for it. And because they don't really do seemingly great traction, tracking on the side effects, look, this thing is so much worse than what could have happened. It's the unknown. Do you know how much how much worse things could have been if you hadn't been taking this? It's such a great scam. It's a perfect, it, you know what I mean? It's They know that they don't have a working product and they fear everybody, like they scare everyone into getting it every six months. And if there are any negative repercussions from it, what are we going to find out in 40 years from now and they'll have immunity? God bless. I, I should get into the vaccine game. What am I doing trying to podcast? You know, one thing that's strange is like, in medical school, all they teach you is like the ages when patients should get certain vaccines. You never really learn anything about side effects. And I remember one of my classmates, my first year was like, I don't know about vaccines. Like I've heard some stuff about how they might cause autism. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? And But then as I've... I, I, but then I was in my first year, so I assumed like we're going to learn more about vaccines and why they're proven safe, but then we never did. <laughs> yeah, well, so... I think that's the uh, I'm I'm certifiably not a doctor. I can also tell you I never could have became a doctor. I was not good with bio. I'm not good with memorizing all those topics. Like I know the kids in my life that became doctors. Those were some smart, studious motherfuckers like God bless them. What I have, which most doctors don't have, is I think people within structures don't like to question structures. And especially if you know the level of work that goes into kind of becoming a doctor, and then you think about how much work went into the person that trained you and how much protocol exists there. And you know that you went into it, some people to make money, some people it's a good profession, some people because they legitimately want to help people and it's nice to get paid. All of those valid reasons to pick a career. I have no problem with it. It's very rare though when you like put it this way, you show up to a school to teach like that you're going to learn how to heal people. And then you assume that the people there that's teaching how to heal people, they probably know what they're doing. And then you're the specialist in how to heal people. But like it would, it takes a very special individual that while you're in school, having to memorize all this information, having to get the instructions for them on how to heal people to start asking some questions to be like, well, why are we just taking this as fact? You know what I mean? People don't really question structures. It takes very unique individuals to do that. Yeah, there is a huge hierarchy within medical school and even beyond. So uh, on a previous episode, you'd mentioned this book, uh, The 48 Laws of Power. And Great I think, book. <laughs> I, the guy, he wrote this other, another book, which had an interesting uh, analogy, I think, for, uh, for medicine today. It told this story about this guy, a uh, doctor. Which book? Uh, the uh, Laws of Human Nature? Uh, no, it was like, it was called Mastery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know the book. But one of the stories was about a doctor from, I think, the 1500s or something who uh, had first theorized that the heart uh, pumps blood and it's not where blood is created. And he waited until he was the head of the British, like, Royal Medical Society to publish his findings because he didn't think people would believe him <laughs> otherwise. Right, right, so which just like... shows it's not like it's not about the discoveries. It's sometimes about where you are. All right, let's take a quick comment. And I think that this question is actually going to set us up well as we kind of continue looking at the uh, the new world order. So this is from one's compliment. 
Hey, Robbie, where do you learn about ESG scores and the relevance to global authoritarianism? You seem to have a lot to say during the Skankfest part of the problem. All right. So here's kind of where my eyes were open to it. Uh, about a year ago in the Fed charter, it used to be the Fed charter was <laughs> we're going to basically try and balance inflation against uh, employment, right? There's kind of this balancing act of that we want, do we want full employment with more inflation or do we want, uh, you know, somewhat less employment and less inflation? There's a little bit of a balancing act there to kind of explain the economics to that. And maybe I have this wrong, in which case maybe like you as being a doctor and economics professor can email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com, explain to me how I'm getting this wrong. But at full employment, you got more people with money, more people are buying shit, it's going to push up prices. Less people with jobs I mean less people have money to go buy stuff, so it's not going to do as much to push up prices. So there's a bit of a relationship between employment and inflation. Make sense so far? I, I assume that makes sense so far, right? So they added this new thing, and you have to realize the Fed does not actually have a good degree of control over inflation. For a lot of years, their target was 2%, and they were like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? How come we're not hitting our 2%? Then they changed it from being 2% to, uh, we can make up like, like when I was in school and you know, you don't, you don't take a, like you ask for your extra credit because you fucked up on a test type thing. So what the fed was doing was if they missed their 2% target inflation, they said, all right, well then in the next year, if we do 4%, we're making up for the previous year. So it's okay. And they were never able to do that. The point being the fed seems to make this claim that they can balance inflation and employment and they don't have a very good track record of even hitting their inflation targets. Then they started talking about, well, we're going to add this new thing where it's not just about inflation, balancing inflation with employment, but we're also going to add to the charter. Uh, I don't have the exact language on this, but it was something to do with essentially making sure that minorities are getting ahead within our economy, right? So it's not good enough for the Fed to step in and regulate the markets in a way that's going to balance employment, I, I mean, inflation and employment, we also need to make sure that they're balancing that minorities are uh, seeing the same economic opportunities as others. Now, how the Fed could possibly do this beyond me, but they start talking about that being in the Fed charter. Now, what's creepy about that is, I mean, already having the Fed involved in the financial markets is socialism because it means that we don't have just like it's creating price controls. It means you, like the interest rates are price and not just letting the market determine it. Right. But then to also institute that the fed needs to make sure that there is some level of equality. Right. I mean, that's like a whole different degree of socialism. That's not anything that we're voting on. It's just something that's going to go into the feds charter. Then the fed did this weird thing during the, uh, last year, which I talked about with the special purpose vehicles where basically they gave money over to BlackRock. So like a couple years ago, if you remember, I'm going on a tie right here. So if you got, if you want to, if you want to stop me at any point, you can, but essentially like back in the day, it used to be, you talked about Paulson and Paulson's relationship with places like Goldman Sachs. And you go, there's this revolving door in government between certain financial firms and the treasury and the fed. And it's very clear that these people are basically giving the bailouts to the companies that they worked for. So now within the Biden administration, like I think the people in these positions are actually coming from BlackRock. BlackRock is the most powerful player and BlackRock has this relationship with the Fed that when the Fed was doing these bailouts last year, they gave the money to BlackRock to process it. And they even gave money to, to, to BlackRock to process through these special purpose vehicles that were buying bonds, essentially bailing them out. So just to recap here, 
We've got the Fed expanding into like full on socialism by saying that they are going to be invested in essentially equality. And then we also have this tight relationship between the Fed and BlackRock, where BlackRock is literally handed money from the Fed to go purchase things that the Fed's not allowed to purchase, which essentially acts as a bailout on uh, on uh, on junk bonds. All right. So we got relationship between BlackRock and the Fed, Fed's institute, instituting socialism. Then all of a sudden you start reading about, just generally speaking, this thing called ESG scores. ESG scores are, it, it, it's like a regulatory compliance that like, let's say you're ExxonMobil, right? So if you're ExxonMobil, you have to report on, hey, am I promoting women? Am I promoting minorities? Am I investing in green energy? And a lot of things that you and I would look at and go, wait a second, like this seems like a very leftist agenda, right? But now all of a sudden you're somewhat responsible. It's not that you're responsible. It's that companies like BlackRock, which is the biggest investor on Wall Street, they're responsible for $9 trillion a year, will say, hey, we are going to basically divest or we're not going here. Like we're looking for things that have high ESG scores. What's ESG scores? It's global warming, combating global warming, looking for green energy, promoting minorities. It's all the socialist stuff that you and I would go, well, who voted for this? Who wants this? And then if you look a little bit deeper than that, you start wondering, well, why is it that these companies are all kind of working together to try and create a regulatory environment where the money, like it's collusion. That's what it is. It's if all the big banks are all putting their money together into specific investments, such as windmills, and then they get a government regulation that we have to get more money from windmills. So then all of a sudden their investments are profitable. So what you start to realize is it's uh, it, 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 the, the entire ESG thing, because Without the regulations, here's where here's where we all get cheated. I, I went on a long rant here, so I appreciate that you sat there and just listened to me. All of these regulations in a market that's free, the only way you make money is if you're handing people value. If a regulation comes in that allows you to make money without providing something of value, there's theft there. That means every single person, right? So for example, if I can go across my street and buy gas for a dollar, and all of a sudden, a new regulation comes in where that gas is $4. So all of a sudden, instead of being able to buy gas for a dollar, the windmill down the street is profitable, but it costs me $4. That's a theft of $3 for me every single time. Let's just say, what, is, what does a gallon of gas do for you? 30 miles, it gets you 30 miles down the road. Or let's say every time I drive my car, I'm basically good for four days, right? Off of $50. So now I got to spend $150 every four days. It's literally theft. It's almost like, you ever seen the movie, uh, The Lady Killers? You ever see that movie? No. Lady Killers, it's not It's not the best, uh, it's not the best Coen Brothers film, but it's a Coen Brothers film where essentially they're going to rob a bank. And what they say is, listen, even if we rob this ba- the casino, we rob this casino, the, it, the theft gets spread out because it ends up getting paid by the insurance company, right? And so therefore it's just a penny from everybody. But now look at this the other way. It's like taking dollars from all of us on a daily basis. And, and it's not just your gas bill. It's your energy bill. It, it, it's like your entire way of life. So there's it, it's like there's a massive amount of theft, which would result in a transfer of wealth, essentially from your poorest people who all need to buy energy on a daily basis into the hands of the big banks and the people that can actually control the regulatory environment to make these fucking windmills and other bullshit profitable there you go that, that, that's the scoop on esg yeah i could see them just changing what the esg scores mean just to keep 
make sure it's just companies that are willing to follow whatever they want to do. But All right. But that ties into what I've been saying is that I can look at the news and see that they're lying to us and I can see, Hey, I know that the big banks are pulling this racket here where they want to be profitable. Right. And I know that they kind of own the fed and I know that they kind of own the politicians, but where I don't go is, Hey, Kissinger is actually sitting in a room with Bill Gates and the head of the China communist party. And they're realizing that in order to push these agendas, they need to leak a virus onto the world. And so they actually sat down and, you know, pre thought out how to have this virus, which kind of gets a little bit more into the DeVos one world. I, I don't research that. I don't know. Like, so that's where you come on as our expert to tell us where we go from these ESG people looking to make money to singular villains looking for, you know, a new one world government. So since you mentioned Kissinger, the, the head of the world economic forum, Klaus Schwab, he went to the Henry Kissinger school at Harvard and he has a doctorate from there. And coincidentally, he wrote a book called the great reset, which has a chapter on global governance. Uh, so and I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff on like the p people that go to the Davos con conference, but it's like Bill Gates's financial advisor was at the last one. You know, it, it's a lot of the people of the heads of the most powerful companies. It's, it's like, uh, it's difficult because obviously they're not recording uh, their plans and also there's, it seems like they're still kind of formulating their plans because uh, one thing I saw a headline recently was that the World Economic Forum, they're uh, starting something called, uh, it's a, the headline said, World Economic Founder Klaus Schwab calls for a great narrative for humankind at meeting in Dubai. So I, yeah, it's coming up uh, in 2000. It's, it looks like it's going to be this year. Uh, but so they're still formulating their narrative about. All right, so none of this is smoking gun evidence, but essentially yeah. what you're saying is that we can see that powerful people are both saying, Hey, they're taking it from two angles. You've got some powerful people saying, Hey, there might be a threat to humanity. That's so bad that we need this one world government in order to basically treat it. Right. And then other people are calling for this one world government. What was the quote? Can you repeat the quote again? Uh, the headline was was about how they're trying to calls for a great narrative for humankind or what which quote were you referring to yeah so i mean that one it, it, that's also just kind of like loose like what does that mean one great narrative for humankind well yeah that's because that meeting hasn't even taken place yet so it, it's tough to say what that well all right say, just but... to once again this just kind of uh at least points to the incentives of people that would be pushing for like kind of a one world government. Let's say you're, you're, you're essentially your parasite and you, like, so, and you steal from the host, that's what you do. Um, so let's look at it this way. If I'm the mayor of a small town and my thing is I steal from that small town, right? So how much can I really steal from a small town? I mean, there's going to be a max because it, like if there's only 20 people in the town, I mean, how much can that tax pool possibly be right now? If ever now, if also, if you live in a country where every mayor kind of has an equal amount of 
like authority over their town. And so I want to be able to steal more. So how do I start coordinating with all these other mayors to try and take from them? Right. It's not that easy because it's very diversified. There's very diversified pools of where the money is. The more you centralize resources, the more you can actually take from it because like you're kind of solidifying your power, right? It's like, even if like you're the president of the United States of America, so now you're just in charge of America. So that's kind of the max of what, what you can take. But if all of a sudden, let's say the America were to swallow up Canada, Mexico, well, now there's a lot more that you could potentially take from the pie because you got a bigger pie and you're also not going to let other people in on this pie because you're in charge of it, right? So people that are in power as a theoretical, like they would want to increase what they're in power over because then, you know, they got more control and they can like, the more centralized things are, the more easily you can kind of steal and siphon off that pie. So as a theoretical, that's why it's worse for all of us and why people would have an incentive to do it. Uh, What gets a little bit screwy to me is you take people like Bill Gates who are worth as much money as they, as they are. And this is a projection. It's hard to wrap your head around why someone as wealthy and as powerful as him, who's going to be dead in 20 or 30 years, cares to try and create a one world government. Like, I don't know. Is he, is he living more than a hundred years? Does he have some robot body that he's going to get into? Like, does he have some sort of a feeling about living through his offspring? And so that one daughter of his is going to take over this one world empire. Is he really obsessed with killing people that he actually like he's got some sadistic view of the world where he's the one person who's willing to make the tough choices and he thinks that we need population control. And so here's how we're going to get there. That's where it starts getting a little bit screwy when you try and understand like I, I like even Hitler. I mean, I guess he, he really believed that the world needed an unbelievable Germany. And so he was going to do whatever he I, I don't know. I don't know what what Hitler was going for. But it's hard to kind of project what these people's incentives would be to actually sit down and want to create these evil structures. Exactly. I've so we can't you can't go by people's motives. You can only just look at their actions. I've heard that police they have a similar issue where like, in, as far as crimes, like motive is the least uh, helpful in determining who is their highest suspect because. Right. Cause like who wanted to eat this lady? It's like, we got an eating late. Like who's the person that was motivated to be a cannonball in the middle of New Jersey. All right, fine. I hand it back to you. I want some smoking gun evidence. So you, you, you hit me up and you go, listen, I've got the story here on what this one world order is. I got the story on Bill Gates. I got the story on DeVos. DeVos. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, that's where it takes place in Switzerland. Right. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy about it. So give me, give me the big picture, give me the culprits and like, and how coordinated Corona was in terms of advancing this agenda. Right. I, I've the pandemic uh, docuseries, that one, I think that's the one where it had some of the news videos. Uh, so I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, if you are able to, if there's any more questions you could feel that I could be looking up trying to find that or i could come back another time well what do you have uh top of mind look before we close it out give people the pitch on why you're concerned this is your moment why are you concerned with the one world order what are the what are the what's the evidence you're looking to to go hey this is clearly going on here like what listen you're a doctor you're making money you're treating patients all day and then you're coming home at late at night you're listening to run your mouth and you're like i've got the scoop here on one world order give us the scoop so Part of the issue is like, as a from a doctor's perspective, a lot of doctors are just getting information from the CDC, and it's it's like 
it's weird because they're just telling you kind of what to think when I, I was under the impression that like I before I became a doctor, I thought doctors could have different opinions about things. And uh, based on you know, some anecdotal evidence that it would be possible to have your own opinion about a treatment. But apparently I, that's not allowed anymore. <laughs> no, and, I think that's been one of the most alarming things to me is that when I follow the story, the CDC should not be working as the lobby group for Pfizer. Right. So when I see five, like when I see the CDC kind of putting out articles and information, that's not just telling you the data, but seems to be presenting a story and then hiding the data. I'm like, well, that's not the way this organization on paper is supposed to work. Now you're an actual and I, I've spoken to doctors who are like, I would like to treat people with ivermectin. I'm not allowed to do that. Right. So what you're basically saying is uh, it's almost a red pilling moment where you're like, I became a doctor to help people. And I would think that I could kind of like, I'm not supposed to be a robot. I'm supposed to have my own opinions. And that's the way science is supposed to work. And if I have a different opinion, I should at least be able to go someone in the hospital and say, Hey, I've got this opinion on this. And then let's have a conversation around the evidence. It shouldn't be this top. Like, in other words, why do I have to go to medical school and be a smart doctor? If like, you might as well just go to WebMD. You might as well, the CDC can be WebMD. I could go, Hey, here's the issue I'm having. And then it could just tell me this is what you're supposed to do. And that's the end of it. Like, like what's the, uh, it, it's almost like an illusion of seeing a doctor who's going to review your charts now. Yeah. And it, it's weird that they were giving recommendations without like, I wasn't able to really look at the studies. One thing that kind of biased my opinion is when I was in residency, the head of my program was also the head of the County health department. And so it, her opinion was very like, we should just do whatever the, the uh, CDC says. And so it made me think that she was like being directed to do certain things based on funding because she was getting a lot of funding to do COVID testing. So it seemed like that may have caused her to have certain incentives. All right. So let's take uh, this one comment and then uh, we'll do some closing remarks. So this is from a forum. We had two people dying at the CIQ quarantine NZ. I don't know what that is. You know what the CIQ, that sounds like New Zealand, but I don't know what CIQ is. No, do you? So, no, I don't know what that means. Probably not COVID because a report mentioned mental health. You get put in CIQ if you're positive or close contact and can't isolate slash poor. I don't know what that comment is. Good thing we pulled it up. Uh, all right. Any closing remarks for us, Dr. John? Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. I couldn't find any, sorry, no smoking gun evidence at this time, but uh, it was, I'll try and find at least those uh, videos showing the comparison of the news anchors during the event 201 and then compared to the news headline anchors uh, in real, in reality, because I think that was a, an interesting comparison, how the actors were pretty close to what ended up happening in real life. All right, beauty. Uh, this audio will remain out. I will be putting it out probably on Sunday. I will be taking down the video. So for anyone who's watching this, do not dox Dr. John. That is not cool. Uh, we like for people to be able to come onto the show, give us the insights and remain anonymous so that they can continue to make money, go to concerts and fuck bitches. You know, that's what we're about over here. So, oh, and before I let everyone go, let's just uh, do a couple plugs. Firstly, Robbythefire.com slash shows. Got a whole bunch of shows coming up. Uh, this weekend, we are in Schenectady and then uh, in Connecticut. 
Then the following week, I got Albany. I got, I'm sorry, I got Atlanta, Mexico, Denver, and then New York City and New Hampshire to tape the end of year recap, which uh, will be posted online, you know, before the end of the year. Uh, other than that, most special love to our sponsors, Sheath.com, the underwear of champions, protects your balls, separates it from balls and dicks. It's uh, you need it in your life, and then of course, your cranium and your delta which uh, the doctor over here, if you're over the age of 21, he recommends it to all of his patients. If they come in, they're not feeling good. That's what he says. He goes, well, have you taken your Kratom today? Well, no wonder you're not feeling good. Or wait, 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 you're all stressed out in your life. Have you been taking your Yodeltas? Well, then that's what's going on. I'll, I'll, I'll correct this for you. All right. That, that is that, it for today. Yes. Did you play that song?